Adam. Hey, how are you? Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine, man. How is your day going? Pretty good, pretty good. Aside from a trip to the dentist, it's been a pretty fun day. Yeah, you're smiling, though, in your profile photo. I know. That's, that's because the dentist got, got a hold of that one, I think. <laughs> where where are you at today? Are you in, you're in, you're in San Francisco? I know, it looks like we have callers calling in from everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am in San Francisco. It's uh, it's great. Uh, it rained a little this morning, but other than cool. that, everything is good in San Fran. Awesome. Right. Let's let's get started. Let's get right into it. So this is sure, day three. Fi- this is final session of day three of our Get Traction Virtual Summit. Today's uh, today's model was a podcast style Q and A with five awesome sales experts. The virtual summit is being brought to you by Growth Marketing Conference, Traction Conference, SplashU, and Speakeasy. And right now we're going to talk about why your six-figure-plus deals are going wrong. We've got Adam Metz on the line, and Adam's a sales veteran having helped companies like Lynda.com, Visitors Bureau, Infusionsoft, Hershey's Chocolate, and a ton of other companies make a ton of money. Adam, so great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so I think you Let's, and I got a, got acquainted through the great the growth marketing conference and then also the startup sales conference. So, yeah, and I I think we're actually we're going to have uh, versions of both of those available online for people that are not based in the area too. Awesome. Yeah, and we're going to make this podcast available next week, both the recording and a and a debrief blog post. So Adam, great. Let's start by asking you how many deals have you worked on in your ten plus years in sales? Gosh, total. Wow, that's that's a hard question. Um, man, and just in this last year, probably 150 or something. So I mean, just by sort of extrapolating from there, I would guess like 1,500 to 2,000. I don't know the exact number, but somewhere right around there. Awesome. And and have they been deals of all sizes or? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like, I mean, for example, I work now, you know, at a startup called Turavion and, you know, in the beginning of when I joined the team about a year and a half ago, some of the deals were really small just because, you know, when you're, when you're a startup that's trying to get product market fit, you might, you know, occasionally work on a deal that, that seems, you know, in the 5k or 2k range or something like that. That's pretty normal. But, you know, as, as you, whatever you're selling, if you work for a startup, you know, gets more accepted or more mainstream, then, uh, you know, you'll definitely see some larger deal sizes. Definitely. Awesome. So what would you say is the difference between SMB and enterprise sales? Wow, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, basically, it's almost like the, the question is sort of a bigger question. It's what's the difference between enterprise sales and all other kinds of sales? I kind of I like to think of sales in sort of three three separate categories. There's selling to consumers, and that would be like, let's say you were working at a furniture store, and you know someone came in and said, I want to buy a couch that's you know 1500 bucks or whatever. That's selling to consumers. Or maybe selling someone a you know twenty thousand dollar car. Then there's uh, selling small amounts of stuff to uh, to businesses. So like let's say uh, you were selling a software product that was a hundred dollars a month, and you were selling it in like an annual contract. So that's a twelve hundred dollar ACV annual contract value deal. And then there's you know selling into enterprise. And when you sell to big companies, you know if, you know a few thousand people or larger. Typically, I'm seeing usually the deals are you know hundred k million millions that kind of stuff in terms of like how big the deal is. 
And uh, usually the amount of decision makers you're, you're kind of selling to, it, it's different when you get into larger deals. So when you're selling like a sofa to somebody, maybe there's two decision makers. And when you're selling, you know, maybe a small piece of software to a small business, maybe there's three or four. Um, but, you know, in an enterprise deal, you're going to see, you know, seven to 14 decision makers. So why do you like enterprise sales so much, Adam? It's, it's a really, that's a really, really good question. You know, if you walk into like, you know, Crate and Barrel or some furniture store or something and, and you know, pull the person aside and I mean, say, hey, this is kind of a personal question, but like how much money do you make? I would bet the person in the furniture store makes probably 12, 13, 15, maybe $20 an hour. And, you know, same with someone who was working like in an audio equipment store or something like a Best Buy or something like that. And, you know, when you look at people doing SMB sales, like, you know, just selling you know, small items that are a few thousand dollars to other businesses, they might make, you know, 30 to 60 bucks an hour. But if you really want to kind of get your hourly wage, you know, and this granted most people, you know, work on salary, but if you want to make hundreds, like 200, 300, 400, $500 per hour for doing whatever it is you do, you know, if you're in sales, like it's kind of hard to do that if you're not doing enterprise sales. Awesome. No, great stuff. And then, I mean, um, that the, the, the other piece to remember is it, it's just a far more nuanced kind of work. Like, it's it's just far more interesting. I mean, the, the types of things and the types of people you run into doing enterprise sale, for my money, I think it's the most interesting and most complex work in, in, in the sales profession. So I, I, I've always found it just like, you know, at the end of the day, if you've got to spend, you know, your workday doing some kind of sales, I find it to be the most interesting and fun. Definitely. I mean, it sounds like a lot of fun. Every startup should go up market. But if you're starting out, it can be really hard, right? Like, why don't sure. you <laughs> it can be really It can be really hard, yeah. And every startup always thinks like, well, gee, I could go out and get 10 little customers or just one big one. It would be so easy if I just had one big one. And, uh, well, yeah, that's the part where they're wrong. It would certainly be financially viable, but it wouldn't be so easy. Definitely. So, um Let's let's uh, get some insight on how can startup sales teams go up market. Like I'm say I'm selling, yes. uh, selling yeah. like a couple thousand dollar deals, and now I want to sell like fifty thousand dollar deals and hundred thousand dollar deals. How do I go go that route? Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great question. Like I know you you work at Speakeasy, and I'm I'm looking at Speakeasy's website, and like yeah, so they have like I guess their pro product is. Uh, you know, $20 a user a month when paid annually. So you, if you were to look at the, uh, like a 10-person deal for a year, that's about uh, 200 bucks a month. So you multiply it by 12, that's about 2,400 bucks a year. That's, a, you know, an SMB sale. But if you look at the next pricing tier, that's about 30 bucks. So imagine if we were selling 30 bucks times 1,000 people working in a larger company, right, times 12 months in a year, that's a 360K deal. That's an enterprise deal. And uh, so, yeah, so the question is, how do you how do you go from selling those small and medium sized deals to the bigger ones? Well, the first thing is really a product question. And this is where where sales teams need to work with the product teams. You really have to ask yourselves, do we have product market fit for enterprise? Because there's there's a tremendous difference between having product market fit for a 10 person company and a 100 person company versus a 1000 or 3000 person company. So. You really have to just, you know, take enterprise people out to coffee and just say, you know, hey, what would what would be product market fit for you? So that's the, that's the product piece. You first need to figure that out. And the second thing is you generally need to, to have sales professionals who have sold into enterprise before. So I, I, you know, obviously, you know, you can't 
not have any history and, and never learn or something like that. So some companies say, okay, well, we're going to have to send SMB salespeople into enterprise. You can do that, but generally it's better to, to get people who have sold into enterprise before. So those are, those are the first two kind of critical steps. And if you've never sold to a large company before, um, there's a lot of books I think that would be pretty helpful. Uh, the stuff that Jill Conrath wrote over the last 10 years is really good if you're ready to make that transition. If like, like, Let's say you're a sales professional you know, making a salary in the low hundreds or even below the 100K mark and you want to double or triple what you're making. Uh, enterprise sales is really worth a look. And you, if you read, there's a book called Snap Selling that's quite good. And you, we can share that link in the chat. So I think Snap Selling is, is a good one to take a look at. And uh, another one is called Selling to Big Companies. That's uh, that's definitely a very thorough uh, introduction to uh, to enterprise sales. And, you know, those books are nine bucks each. Like, it's not uh, you don't have to spend a ton of money to <laughs> to figure out the basics. I just sent it in the chat. No, definitely, that's awesome. So, do you are you a Type A personality? I mean, do you need to be a Type A to be good at sales or enterprise sales? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Because I, I certainly know, you know, plenty of sales professionals and sales personalities that are type A personalities. Like I know Jill Conrad, Jill's probably, I think, a type A personality. Uh, on the other hand, you know, like my wife, she runs sales for a company called Computer Courage, and she's not at all a type A personality, and she's been rather successful at sales. Um, I, I think in the last few years, I've noticed with the rise of sales methodologies like challenger selling and uh, with uh, the Miller-Hyman, uh, I think they called it LAMP, large account management process, I found that introverts do every bit as well. In fact, I think introverts have uh, sort of a hidden advantage when it comes to enterprise sales, just because there's, you know, typically more decision makers and, you know, you're trying to get you know, 10, 14 people to, you know, come to an agreement around something. I found that introverts or type B personalities have a bit of an edge there because they're really able to deeply listen. And that sometimes will give them an edge in mediation, which mediation I found is a big part of getting consensus, uh, you know, in, in enterprise sales. So, I don't know. I, I think there's there's pros and cons to, to both kind of personality types, but I would definitely not hold back from getting into sales just because or, or enterprise sales because you feel like, hey, I'm an introvert. This isn't exactly my thing. Definitely, definitely, awesome. So, what is executive sponsorship? So I've heard you talk a ton about it. Tell us about this executive. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a, that's a huge, huge thing because that's. You know, when you're when you're thinking of how any enterprise deal is won, that's like the first huge milestone. I would say it's uh, a lot of people would call that like the 33 or the 40 percent mark in any deal. Because yeah, if you can nail executive sponsorship, you've got a prayer. If you can't nail executive sponsorship, it's going to be very very difficult. I can't think of any large deal I've ever won without executive sponsorship. So an executive sponsor, uh, like right now, I'm working on some on a deal for, with you know one of the largest software companies in the world, and you know, I had my, I think, third or fourth meeting with him the other day. And I met with a guy who was actually quite senior. Not, he wasn't like, you know, in, he wasn't like, you know, the CMO of the company, but, you know, this is a huge company, probably 50,000 employees or something. And, you know, this guy is certainly a general manager, or, you know, he runs a decent sized department, but I just wasn't certain if he could be the executive sponsor of the project. And so when I sent him a rough scope document, I just asked, you know, a few questions like, hey, if we were to move forward with this project, who would be the project manager, the person who does it like, you know, day to day, but then who's going to be the project sponsor? Or some people call them the senior executive or the the kind of the corporate owner of the project. And so what this person would do, uh, and they would be accountable 
to you know their own executive board as well. It's to own the business case, to be able to justify, okay, the reason this deal is moving forward is because the business case is X. So that's that's like the big one. Um, they're also the one who's going to do all the risk management for the project. And then they're going to, in, inside the organization, they're going to work with any other kind of sponsor. Uh, so like, let's say a chief financial officer with legal. Um, and so then, you know, then there's an additionally a relationship between the executive sponsor and the day-to-day project manager. So they would like provide resources for this day-to-day project manager. So you might be spending more of your time with the day-to-day project manager as you know as the deal goes on, but ultimately this executive sponsor is going to be a critical decision maker for you. Awesome. No, good stuff. So why do uh, I can't, what what does negotiation and like this mediation process, what does that look like in enterprise sales? Walk us through something. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's yeah, that's a really critical question because because you're typically working, you know, when you're selling it to enterprise. The one thing that's really neat about enterprise is you're going to encounter lots of different kinds of personality types. You're going to encounter people with varying uh, sort of levels of risk uh, that they're comfortable with because you might you know be selling to one person who like joined the company two months ago and therefore is not very risk tolerant versus someone who's been at a big company. I ran into an enterprise uh, software person this morning. She had been at her company for 12 years. So, you know, she kind of knows the rules of the game and how things go internally. And so each of the the buyers has different levels of like political clout. Um, Generally speaking, enterprise companies will be older. They'll be, you know, probably three plus years old. It's pretty rare to come into an enterprise company that's brand new. Although you can sometimes find that by uh, by virtue of a merger or an acquisition. Like maybe let's say there were two 1,000 person companies that got smushed together in a merger. That could create sort of a new enterprise uh, company. And that that can actually make for more challenging selling. But uh, so the other thing is that sometimes you'll find a very gender balanced team, mixture of men and women, other times not. Um, sometimes you'll be selling to a group of stakeholders that actively dislike each other. That's really interesting. You don't see that as much in, in small and medium business. Um, sometimes you'll be selling into a total love fest uh, they, of people that like each other but may just have different strategic objectives. So, uh, you know, it's, they're sort of like snowflakes. Like every enterprise deal is different. I know it sounds cheesy to say that, but it's the truth. <laughs> no, definitely. I can I can see that happening here. So, what are I mean the sales cycles are long the deal sizes are long. Um, what are some of the phases of a typical enterprise deal? Sure, sure. Yeah, so the the first phase is is usually always the same. It's called entry, and so that's when you're just you know getting involved, getting introduced to them. Um, you know, there's there's two sort of schools of thought in startups on on when you should do enterprise deals. The sort of the old kind of method of doing it, and and uh, Aaron Ross, you know, has written a great book, Predictable Revenue. Uh, you know, it was written a little while ago, but a lot of it's still extremely applicable because, you know, the the sales lessons that he learned and putting that together are you know some of the biggest case studies in in SaaS sales today and and in tech sales in general. And uh, and they've been taken far beyond even the tech industry. His firm has done some very good uh, sales consulting outside of tech. And so the thing, the way they used to be done is you would you know cold call people of all sizes and you would spearfish uh, you know sort of proactively outbound specific enterprise accounts. That was the thinking until really really recently. And there's been this new kind of uh, sales methodology that they call flywheel. Uh, the the venture capitalist that I've I've read uh, that that seems to be a real big proponent of this is uh, Thomas uh, Tungas. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, the two companies I know off the top of my head that use this flywheel method 
are called Atlassian. Uh, they're the folks who make Jira and HipChat. Uh, and then another one's called Asana. It's uh, Dustin Moskovitz from Facebook founded that company. And so the big difference between the predictable revenue method where you're kind of picking specific, uh, you know, enterprise companies to sell to and Flywheel, the newer method, Flywheel typically only takes large enterprise deals inbound. And uh, apparently from the data I've read so far, Flywheel seems to be a bit more profitable and it seems to have a greater return for investors. So, Going forward, you know, it depends who I was selling to, but if I was selling business to business, I would strongly consider Flywheel at this point, or at least evaluate it, certainly, and, and not just say, okay, let's use the other method. Um, so that's that's sort of like the latest thing that I've seen in terms of, you know, how to approach enterprise deals or when to pursue them. So that's that's kind of what I know about that. Certainly. So... If you're not in enterprise sales right now, but really want to, right, and, and and get right into it, it's not it's not a switch. But what are what are some steps yeah. that you can take? Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great question. Yeah, because I've definitely met people that are you know working in SMB sales, and they're pretty good at it. And you know they're they're really good at routinely flipping deals that are you know. 10k, 12k, 15k, and that you know they have happy customers. They like their job. They like their boss. That kind of thing. But you know they realize at the end of the day they're making like 100k, and they're thinking, wow, gee, with about the same amount of work, I could be making twice as much money. I mean, that's that's kind of crazy <laughs> when you think about it. You're like, I could be living in you know a house that's twice as nice for no extra work. Um, so yeah, the way I would make the transition. The very first thing I would do, probably pick up those first two Jill Conrad books. I think Snap Selling and uh, Selling to Big Companies, because I mean, that's something easy. You can buy them on your Kindle. You know, it costs you 18 bucks. And, and just, you know, read them over the course of a few weeks. And they'll certainly even make you better at, at your current job. You know, you might even be able to expense them <laughs> at work. So that's that's a good first step. Um, the second thing I would do is probably familiarize yourself with some of the Miller Hyman sales materials from the 80s or 90s. Um, there's these things called blue sheets, green sheets, and gold sheets. And you know there was a reason that Miller Hyman, the sales consulting firm, was able to charge you know I think a thousand or two thousand dollars for a three-day workshop. It was because the materials were excellent. And that's kind of how I learned the basics of, of enterprise sales. The other thing that I think might be really helpful, I took a mediation course at uh, the Center for Nonviolent Communication uh, here in Oakland, and I think they do an online version of that course. Um, learning mediation uh, can be really, really helpful, even just basic mediation stuff. So that's that's going to be pretty useful. And then, you know, once you do those three things, yeah, you may be at a point where you're looking to get your first enterprise sales role. And, yeah, I mean, that might, might be the point where you might have to transition out of your, your current role and into a role where, you know, you're selling something that is simply a higher price point. But once you've done stuff like that, you're a far more viable candidate, you know, for your first enterprise sales role than somebody who hasn't done all that stuff. Definitely. So what do you do if you don't work in uh, enterprise sales, right? So we, we talked about that. And then getting getting right into the meat of the enterprise sales cycle. You're you're a new young rep, right? And, sure. And what do we? How does this person align with with the enterprise culture? So I'm I'm going through this right now, right? So I'm trying to build. Sure. Uh, I'm I'm trying to build like an inside sales team, outside sales team, and a combination of things. If I if I build this um, in inside sales team, SDR team. Mm -hmm. Do I have my SDR reps 
call on enterprise to set appointments that's, for outside? Yeah, that's a very, that's a very good question. Yeah, because like when when you think of the whole notion of SDRs and like you know the, even the title SDR, I, I seem to recall that was actually developed in at, at Salesforce around you know the year 2001 or some somewhere around there, maybe 2002. And the the whole notion of sales teams even being inside sales teams, I seem to recall that 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 was a you know a Silicon Valley innovation, and you know. Is I, I found that inside teams are, are pretty good for you know small and medium sized deals, but generally you know the, the higher the larger the amount of money the greater the, the odds are that someone's going to be going in person to these locations. So if I were a startup sales VP and I were doing hiring in that case, uh, no, I would I would I would divide the teams. I would I would put a cap. I, w- I would probably not have inexperienced fresh out of college SDRs uh, prospecting on enterprise accounts. I would recommend you do it the other way, meaning get deep sales marketing alignment and then uh, make marketing materials that are specifically directed at these enterprise accounts and then make it such that the enterprise accounts call you and then send them to a special elite team. Possibly maybe start by having one enterprise SDR and one enterprise account executive. And that way you'll have a sales development person qualifying the deals that's actually good at doing it. And you can probably even start uh, with no SDR because you might not have enough uh, enough deal volume at first. So that maybe you could start with a single enterprise hire and then ramp it up to two. But uh, yeah, I would I would generally divide the teams. I, I don't think it's a great idea to to have newbies doing that. Yeah, because my my biggest worry is having these enterprise uh, uh, these uh, junior teams uh, calling on enterprise reps and creating a bad reputation. Yeah, yeah. If they're calling on enterprise buyers, well, yeah. I mean, there's the whole could they screw up the deal from the beginning? I don't know how much damage they would do. I, I think it's more annoying. And I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, ten years ago or twenty years ago having SDRs do that kind of research, you know, on like, oh, gee, who was the buyer in this department, that kind of thing. But like now, there's software that could tell you that. Like, you could pay ninety nine dollars a month to Inside View, and Inside View will tell you the answer to that question, or you know, some other kind of sales development software. So that part of it's not difficult, but uh, you know, in terms of sh- should an SDR, especially like a small business or a fresh out of college and experienced SDR, do that kind of work? I don't think that's appropriate. Certainly. Any so so we're almost done here. And last last few questions. Um, the last one being: Is enterprise sales simply about having the best product at the best price? Well, yeah, that's a good question. And the, the speaker before me brought up a, a really good point about the whole easy to work with bit. Because, yeah, I mean, there's there's certain companies, just really large companies that may have, you know, very arcane procurement processes. So the whole, is your company easy to work with? That actually might be a, a top three or a top four factor. Um, yeah, in terms of the price performance ratio or, you know, bang for the buck, ROI, I, I should really should say value, not ROI, being the, the key driver. Generally speaking, I found that enterprise deals close for one of three reasons, uh, risk mitigation, uh, return on investment, or um, usually time, like critical time savings. Uh, and occasionally you'll see them close for other reasons like brand or, or morale, but usually it's those, those top three. And those, those five things that I just named, that's, that's actually called the value star. It's from a, a Skip Miller book called Proactive Selling. But most, most enterprise deals are either close to mitigate risk to save an, a large amount of time or to uh, to increase a, proje- a project's return on investment. So g- given that, so th- those are the key drivers. Can you just go back to the main question again, Lloyd? 
Sorry, I lost you there. Go, can you go, go back to the main question, the, the, the question you just asked? Which was, is it, is it, is it uh, about price and the best product and the best price when you're selling to enterprise? Like, let's go in and yes. let's get the deal. Great. And so my answer to that is that if that reason is probably about the 10th to 14th reason that these deals would close. So typically what you're going to, you're going to find in this process is that the, one of the main motivators of, or the distinctives or distinctions, I should say, that will tell you whether your deal is going to close an enterprise is whether you as the sales executive or sales professional are adding value to each stakeholder at each phase of the process. And that's probably the most recent research I've seen on that has been in the challenger customer and in challenger sales. Um, and so if you're looking for sort of what's my, you know, what's the main thing that I can do as a sales professional to, to ensure that my deals close is to add something positive, be it knowledge, skill, what have you, to each of your deal stakeholders at every phase of the process. If you're capable of doing that, that is the biggest predictor of will they buy from you and will they buy from you multiple times. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks, uh, thanks a ton for your time and your advice. Oh, you and bet. All your help. Uh, yeah, and if you'd like to see, see more about what my company is doing in sales, um, you know, I, I'm the VP of sales at uh, Terravion, we're a Y Combinator startup, and we do aerial imagery uh, to help farmers and, and wine growers quite a bit. So that's at Terravion.com. Awesome, great stuff. And uh, where can we find you? Oh, sure. I'm pretty easy to locate. Um, I'm just at adammetz.com, or if you'd like to see the work I do with the uh, the startup sales conference and the growth marketing conference, just go to growthmarketingconference.com, and, uh, and I'll see you at the conference. Awesome. Great stuff, Adam. Thank 